mystical nature has been suppressed for thousands of years. It's part of who we are. It's our birthright. Your spiritual gifts that you're talking about, you were born for that. Why would you have to be ashamed of your left arm? You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 84, The Golden Vine, a Beacon Series conversation featuring Corin Grillo, author of The Angel Experiment, a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life from New World Library. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. When you hear the word angel, what comes to mind? If you're like most of the people I've encountered, or if you're like I was 25 years ago, then you probably draw up a pretty specific image. Maybe you think of chubby little cherubs with plump and rosy cheeks, sporting harps and heart-shaped arrows. Perhaps you call to mind images of majestic humanoid beings with grand wings, glimmering armor, armed with shining shields and flaming swords. For me, the earliest image I can call to mind is from an antique painting that still hangs on the wall in the bedroom of my long-deceased great-grandfather. Two children, a boy and a girl, are crossing a dilapidated bridge under the veil of night. Many of the planks are missing. Over them both is the image of a beautiful woman, draped in fine fabrics, her arms spread wide, her downy wings tucked firmly behind her as she protects and guides the children to safety. I'm sure you know the image I'm talking about. It's a classic. Over two decades ago, all of my preconceived notions about angels came crumbling down, and I was given cause to ponder again these seemingly mythical celestials. I entered into a mystery that I've been trying to wrap my arms around for a long time, and recently I was blessed with further clarity. Enter my conversation with Corin Grillo author of the book, The Angel Experiment, a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life, published by New World Library. In this episode, Corin shares many of the details surrounding a beautiful miracle that changed her life and explains how the unique intercession of angels on that day started an ongoing relationship with these celestial beings. As a trained psychotherapist, Corin was already working to enhance the well-being of others, but by channeling the assistance of her angelic advocates, she has enhanced her gifts as a healer and teacher. A big part of her role as teacher can be experienced by the angel curious in her book, The Angel Experiment, where she offers a 21-day series of invocations, prayers, and exercises organized in a way that puts angelic friendships to work multidimensionally for anyone that's ready to peel back another layer to their life. I enjoyed this conversation with Corin Grillo, and I'm thankful for the special answers she shared with me a message and clarification offered by the angels surrounding her during our conversation. Now, it's time to suspend any hint of disbelief you may have. Spread the metaphorical wings of your mind, tune your attention to this good news beacon, and press play on a little good news. Wake up, it's morning, dreaming of the story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep On the path to your deliverance In a holy ball of light through your window Old news, bad news, fake news Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. 
I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. to just create a real hyper local podcast, you know, where I was just talking to local people in my community and, and it's, and I still do that, but, um, I just had this itch to talk to people and, you know, reach out a little further and it's just working out to where I can do that now. So that's great. That is so cool. Isn't that wonderful? You just follow that urge. Yeah, I know. And you get to, and you know, I'm sure you realize too, I mean, even in what you're doing, I mean, you connect with so many new people, you end up with these allies all over the place, you know? I know. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the, I, you know, I had a seed thought of, I need my own podcast like four years ago, Yeah. but it's just taken me this long and I think the real impetus was when I was doing so many interviews for, um, for the angel experiment for the book. And, yeah. you know, I just know I love meeting, I love meeting people and, and so much of my business these days has been, you know, teaching online courses and, and I've been kind of separate from, from people. So it's great to like do face to face with people who are doing really cool things. Right. Yeah. I, I get excited when I get to talk to people like you, you know, because, especially in your category, I, 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 let me just pause right here and ask you before, because I'll dive right off the cliff and we won't look back. <laughs> uh, if you could, just for the listeners, you know, I've had a chance to read your book and watch your videos. And so I've got a little bit of a taste for who you are and what you're doing. But uh, for the audience, could you just give them a good picture of who I'm talking to today? Yeah. So I'm Corinne Grillo and, uh, and by trade, I'm a licensed psychotherapist, but I had a incredible miracle happen brought on by angels. So the angels kind of fell into my life. And, and, uh, from that point, I've had to readjust what I do. So now what I mostly do is I teach people how to talk to angels in powerful ways and how to change their life and heal their life in radical ways. And I, you know, teach them how to yeah, on many levels, teach them how to heal other people, teach them how to heal themselves. Um, so yeah, it's been this really wild journey. Yeah, it's incredible. So how I got a question. The book is entitled The Angel Experiment, A 21-Day Magical Adventure to Heal Your Life. So how long has that book been out? Uh, that was it came out back in October. Oh, okay. So it, it's yeah, actually yeah, within its first year of launch then. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So before you wrote that book, how long ago was it when you had that experience that really changed your life? Because I read about that in the book. You know, it was pretty fascinating. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, I think that happened around 2010. So it's been probably about 10 years, and I have been teaching angel work and doing all all of that probably for about six or seven years. That's pretty interesting. I got I to gotta just make a note of this. I love the matter-of-fact way that you talk about this, you know, just even sitting here right now, because 
I can imagine that 10 years ago, it probably wasn't so easy at first to just jump right in and talk about angel work, right? No, actually, I I had what I called angel shame. Angel shame. And, <laughs> yeah, so I did because I I was not the the character on the on the in the world that you would think would be talking about angels. You know, it just wasn't my thing, and I was really kind of down to earth, practical. I've always been interested in the spiritual side of things, but. Um, it just came on so hot and heavy. I didn't know what to do. And, and it took me actually a couple of years to openly speak of the miracle that I witnessed. Cause uh, as a psychotherapist, you know, it's like, you know, you, people will throw you in the hospital 5150 you, sure. if you say, if you, if you talk about that stuff. So it took me a while to really step into come out of the spiritual, coming out of the angel closet and the spiritual closet, uh, publicly. Yeah. You're, I connected with you in your book, honestly, I, I, I was reading it and I, I was making some really particular notes as I was reading it because I, I had what I only could describe as sort of an awakening experience in August of 1995. And I rem so much of what you said, I guess, echoed that because I remember coming home and feeling like I wasn't sure how to explain what happened to anybody. And that I didn't call it, it was an angel shame, but it was not all dissimilar to what you're describing. I was like, how do I talk about this? And people don't think I went off to this other city on this sort of personal retreat and lost my mind. I mean, that was really literally like what I was worried about. I mean, I was going somebody because yes. I was going through sort of a break, you know, where I was just as you describe in your book, you know, it was like I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. I, I Now, looking back, I see it was like a type of depression. But, I, you know, it was very dark and everything felt like it was falling apart for such a young guy at the time. I just didn't know what to do. And then it was just as you said in your book there that you described it as a, a, a soft, subtle or still voice, a tiny voice inside of you that just all of a sudden starts nudging you along and making better decisions and and teaching you about gifts that you have and pointing you towards all these synchronistic things. And as I'm reading that in your book, I'm going, okay, I understand this feeling. And then it's very hard to convey that out in the secular world to people in any kind of language that makes sense. And you get that feeling of the odd eye, right? They look at you like, what are you talking about? What's going yeah. on with you, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, what are, okay, what, we were just like, you know, having beers at the bar. Now all of a sudden you're, you know, what the, you know, what the hell? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a process, man. And and I think it's, you know, interesting because it sounds like yours happened in a really dark period too. And, uh, you know, sometimes it just happens when you least expect it. And, and yeah, you know, what I noticed in coming out of the spiritual closet, yeah, some people look look at you like you're freaking crazy, but you know, your, your, who you are is not meant for those people. Yeah. And so the more I found over the years, the more I came farther and farther out of the closet, the more I think blessings came my way. Mm. I started finding my people. Yeah. Um, and also the people I'm meant to serve. So sometimes those people are not your freaking family members, you yeah. know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're not here to, to, uh, connect with angels. Maybe they're here to, you know, do their own thing, but I'm here talking about angels and I'm about to find my peeps who are, who the angels are trying to call in, you know, yeah. or, uh, and there's a spiritual awakening happening all over the world. And, 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's not even theory. It's like, you know, a lot of people come and find me who just are have right in the beginning of it. Like what's going on. I think I'm crazy. Nobody, you know, they're afraid to talk about it, but I feel like, I don't know if you feel like this Orin, but more and more people are stepping, stepping into it. Yeah, I do. It's funny because uh, we, you know, talking as we did, like you, you starting a podcast and, it's such a wonderful vehicle to connect to people and through the podcast. And I'm sure you have found that through your work, you end up connecting to those people that for that period of time, it may not be for a long period of time, but either, but for a short period of time, there's something there where you have some work to do. And the work is different every time. It may not be, it's not just like this cookie cutter book you open up and, and there's a rite of passage. You can just share. It's like, Oh no, whatever it is today that old gift may be for that person in a particular way. Maybe something in your journey connects with them and it offers them some solace. Or, and as you said, they may be at the front end of something and you're going, wow, that's a nice, wonderful feeling to be able to take something that was sort of, I call it put in my spiritual storage shed, you know, that I can sort of dust off and go, oh, well, here's this thing that you can share. But for you, I guess particularly, I, I was sort of a little, I'm not, I want to use the word envy. That's not the right word because envy sort of comes sounds negative. But when I was reading your book, I was like, you know, I love how you've settled into it because I yeah. haven't settled into that. Like I, even Ooh. after all this time, I still feel like I'm trying to lean into the wind a little bit, you know. And it's and it's day uh, day by day, month by month, you know, just realizing like after all this time, it's finally maybe time to just start letting go of some of the the pretenses or the the shell that I've put around mm -hmm. to protect because I still go, well, how, how safe am I to talk about this? How, yeah. how far can I go before I get the odd eye? Cause I still mm. have that fear that I hang on to. Do you, you know what I mean? Like every oh, once gosh. in a while. Yes, I know what you mean. And I've, you know, I had to, I had to look at, I had to face my professional career as yeah. a psychotherapist, my ethics legally. Is this, can I even say angel in a session? Am I right. allowed to do? And, uh, just the fear I put, I wrapped my identity around all the wrong things, right? Like I am a licensed professional. I spent tens of thousand dollars on this, you know? And, uh, I just feel like we're, when you're, your mission in between your deeper mission and um, and your your life stands a whole wall of terror and fear and 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 potential judgment and all of that stuff and and again I just say Oren for you it's like right now is the freaking time like now this is not we're not in training anymore like the wheels are coming off now is the time where people like you like all of us really need to just say like okay this is the truth as i know it and they might you know heckle me or whatever and it doesn't matter and let me say i get lots of hecklers um particularly really it's like unfortunately from born again christians sure i understand um, um but but it's such a small percentage compared to the, the love that I receive in emails and things like that. So I just say, I know what that thing is. You know, I definitely know it. And I just want to invite you to just say it and scream it from, you know, this is who I am. This is the truth as I know it. This is how I help. This is the message that I'm getting for you. That's that's so encouraging. And honestly, not just for me. I know the people who listen to this. They're, again, allies is a word I like to use. 
it, it's that audience that's saying they've got a gift too. They've got something that, that they're called to do, but they just haven't jumped over the edge yet and like taking that nesty plunge like right into it you know and hearing you say that is such an encouragement to for them to say for you to say that that now's the time because really i get this picture as i'm listening to you talk of these uh these hills all across this landscape and there's these little forts with these torches that are unlit and then one by one the bell rings you know and as far as the eye can see, they start lighting across the horizon. I mean, Oh my gosh, Orin, I have to tell you about the vision that I had, which is kind of similar. Um, which was, it was this circle of trees, not cabins. Yeah. And then, and then it was like seven trees. And then I was shown, uh, the leaves lighting up to gold and mm. that each leaf was a new soul that was getting activated in seven continents. Wow. And they were like just sprinkled everywhere and lighting up. It was like this from spark to flame, you know, that's beautiful. So yeah. I, that's okay. That this jumps right into one of the big trajectories I had kind of went down and listening to you because it's about communication, right? So I think for, and I tried to put myself in the mind of, 20 something years ago when maybe I didn't know what the heck I didn't, I'd never even thought of angels for me. An angel was, you know, a, a winged being, that, you know, played a harp, as you say in your book, you know, but, you know, when you're 19, 18, I didn't even think about angels. And so then you have an experience and then you begin to go, okay, whatever. And I'm saying this very loosely at that time, whatever this is, is definitely personal and I get an, I don't know how to describe this. And that's why I want to, I'm trying to get what I want to ask you. I get the impression of a being and I can almost feel like I understand what it is, but I can't really, I couldn't find any other word except angel at that time. Now I eventually stopped using that word because I, I think it just sort of, put a picture on what happened that people would eventually go away. What are you talking about? Was it again, the winged thing? But I was like, no, there's just, this is something else. This is somebody else. This is, uh, but it's particular at the same time. That's the only way I could describe, it, but it was like pictures. Mm -hmm. And so listening to you and reading your book, I was like, okay, how were they communicating with you when you finally accepted? Oh, I'm being communicated with. What was that experience like? I mean, was it, audible because it sounded to me like in reading your book that you, it was it is audible to a large degree but but I'm sound, but you're getting pictures too and, and visions of connected images that have a, a message so yeah exactly i think in the beginning it was i mean cuz they came on so strong right so it was just getting messages through syn synchronicity in the beginning ah, yeah. um and so they were showing me they were essentially collapsing or or uh, showing me how how the real world works, the uh -huh. physical world works, and how communication happens directly, often instantaneously, just by opening up your eyes and watching. Okay. And so that that is like through synchronicity is how I first started kind of coming, and then the miracle, and then I was like, okay, I'm listening now. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to listen, and so I would hear a soft voice inside of me, mm. and whether or not that was my intuition or a guide or an angel, it's just because my awakening happened with an angel healing, an angel reading. Uh -huh. That's how I, I associate it with right. angels. Okay. 
you know? Yeah. But, uh, but it happens in all the ways and each person is so unique. And so sometimes the messages will come through physically. Oh, that's a big way that I I, I feel the truth, right? I just feel like the presence and the like tingles. And then I, okay, I see, I know you're here. What's the message? Mm -hmm. Um, so some people will feel the presence of spirit. Some people can hear very clearly. Mm. Um, and some people have visions like you. So if you're kind of more aligned towards, uh, clairvoyance and you're kind of a gifted clairvoyant, they'll start showing you a lot of pictures. Pictures. Okay. For folks that don't know, because I don't know what to what degree anybody understands what we're talking about or has had their personal experiences, but you use the word synchronicity. And so I didn't learn that word word till later after those things started happening. I was just saying these things keep lining up, these odd things that have the same. Uh, for me, it would be like the same item or object, whether it be a particular type of flower, let's say, or mm-hmm. a color. And I'd go, that's so strange that these things keep lining up or a word lines up very quickly over and over and over again. And yes. and, and I, I often wondered, and I wonder if you ever went through that where you were, and I think you kind of just alluded to that actually, where you start where you were like, okay, am I just now seeing this stuff? And it was always here. These alignments, were these alignments happening and I've been walking through them and just completely oblivious? Or are the alignments just now happening? Mm-hmm. Is that why I'm seeing I, I was in that kind of – did you ever go through that where you're going, hey, has oh, yeah. this, this always been going on and I just wasn't aware or, or is there more of it now? Yeah, no. I mean, in the very beginning, because it was happening like crazy, I would ask for something and then boom, it would happen for someone. I would pray for someone and then it would happen and then synchronicity. And then it was just, it was so, it was like wildfire. Yeah. And I remember asking that, that exact question back then. And what they showed me was, no, this is happening all the time, but depending on what vibration you're functioning on, if you're kind of like in, in the on the low end, like I was in the past, you're not going to see the divine support. You're not going to see those pebbles that are happening, or you might brush it off as coincidence, um, and then just diminish it. So if you learn how to, you know, in a way shift your mind and just know that right now you're getting support right now, there's universal support for everybody. And then I, then, um, then you'll see now the number synchronicities too. Like there's number synchronicities, there's all kinds of things, but I think, yes, they're happening all the time. And then also the more that you embrace it and begin communicating back and acknowledging it, then they, they also amplify as well. And I'm happy. I know it. I'm helpless. Sorry for interrupting the conversation, but I have something I need to tell you about. You may or may not know this, but this podcast is produced in the city of Sulphur, Louisiana, one of the sister cities that make up Southwest Louisiana. All of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of Sulphur. It's my home, and it's been a good home for most of my life. There is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your Sulphur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag Sulphur Today. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, 
and the words sold for today with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city by sharing all the very best Sulphur has to offer through the Sulphur Today social media pages. As the Sulphur Today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of Sulphur Today in a series of ongoing micro-documentaries. Look for the eye-catching Sulphur Today sign when you're out and about, and be ready, we may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op. And don't forget to stop by the Parker Brand Creative Services Studio in Sulphur to grab a Sulphur Today decal for your vehicle or business. We want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the Sulphur Today pages or by searching the Sulphur Today hashtag. Do you want to help us tell the story of Sulphur Today? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulfur today. And be sure to share positive sulfur information and post often using the hashtag sulfur today. Now, back to find the good news. I'm down with all that. I mean, I can lean right into that because it's very similar to, I guess, oh boy, I never talk about this stuff out loud. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, you can probably tell I look on my face. I'm like, it's it's odd because, I mean, it's a safe space to talk with you, but I still do hesitate Mm -hmm. because I I do live in a community that's uh, highly, highly religious and traditional. Yes. And I I do appreciate those traditions, too, because I can find value in them. But at the same time, when I start to inch into territory... I know, you know, that's know, outside yeah. the tradition and it gets more it's nebulous. Scary. Yeah, I, I'm careful. And so I, even on my own show, sometimes I'm like, well, mm. I better hold back. But but the truth of the matter is, and, and anyone close to, to me, and I'm sure anyone close to you, they experience these things with you. Right. And yes. so they're not they, they've grown accustomed to these occurrences. It becomes commonplace. Yeah. And I know my wife and children are like that they go oh well this stuff just happens around dad these types of things and so they're used to it but exactly with, but if someone in earshot is having that com- hearing that they're like what in the hell are they talking yeah. about right like that's so yeah. strange there yeah. i know and it's so it's so unfortunate you know it's unfortunate that you you know we have to feel judged for our hearts opening yeah right right i think you know and i, I was Honestly, when I'm going to talk to somebody new, I kind of go do the whole digital stalking thing. And I, I watched some of your videos and then I went on your social media page and I, and forgive me if I'm going too far, but I did notice you had made a comment and I thought, boy, I've been there where you had said that someone had kind of came at you a little bit saying that, you know, what you were doing with angels was, was evil almost. I mean, oh no, they direct, I just was called the devil. The devil, Reason, yeah. I, was, I was called the devil. Uh, Jezebel, uh, all kinds of, all kinds of things. And it's like, it used to really bother me, um, a lot more, but it makes me really sad how, how people treat each other. Um, and, and that I'm pretty sure that's not what, what Jesus had in mind, but you know, it all, it all comes from this deep seated fear and, and, you know, I've, I've had to actually look at it historically and go, okay, it makes sense of it in my brain. Um, because I, I know what the, you know, what the Bible's certain parts of the Bible say. And, uh, um, but I have, you know, some really good friends that are, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of Truth Seeker, but he's like a Christian mystic and he's up, you know, he's, he knows the Bible in and out and he's highly into 
into Jesus and also the the mystical aspects yes. that you're even afraid to talk about, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, because you get into this territory where I remember when I um, I was taking some re- religion classes several years back, and I had a conversation with someone one evening after the class. I said, you know, I said I'm having a hard time with this class. I said because it's the class is very intellectual, and all I have is experiential things. I don't have uh, book learning is not going to get me where I, what I'm got to find what I'm looking for. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm experiencing things and have been experiencing things. That's the way I've always been. And so now I'm trying to take all that and shove it into this container. And that's just, it's a hundred percent intellectual. And mm-hmm. I, it just doesn't seem to line up. It doesn't fit. I don't know. I don't know any other way to explain it, but it was just a little disconcerting. Uh, well, but when I read that on your page, I thought, boy, how many times have, have I heard some version of this? Not just for me, but for other people. And it kind of got me thinking about how things are sort of topsy-turvy in our world in a way, because we will take something like that. Everything in your book is about healing and hope and uh you know, wealth and health and well-being. And I was like, so this is everything that you're promoting and, and you're and the angels communicate with you and you help other people to find that and that connection with them. And it's to help them and to expand love and compassion and all these things. And yet some, but in our world today, we will look at that because it doesn't fit a certain container and we'll call that bad. I know. But then we will take something atrocities and call those things good because they fit within the container of a faith or a tradition or whatever it may be. And I thought, man, it's so fascinating how we're really almost looking at this completely op- the wrong way. And we all just run about our day doing this. It's the strangest I, thing. I agree. I agree. Uh, so much of the work that I talk about over the years, even with people, is that I I do not want them to simply believe me. I want them to have their own activation, their yeah, own okay. direct experience, because I am not a preacher. I'm just a person who got activated, and I want people to, in a way, become sovereign again, to think for themselves, and to better than that, feel for yourself. Don't let anybody tell you what is right or wrong. You have to feel the truth of it. But a lot of people are getting their stuff from, you know, like things that are 2000 years old, which is so, you know, which is wonderful. But the, the, it's just, it's the opposite of love. It's just the opposite of love. Some of the stuff that is happening and, you know, the, the mist, our mystical nature has been suppressed for thousands of years and it's a, it's part of who we are. It's our birthright. Like your spiritual gifts that you're talking about, you were born for that. It's like, it's like, why would you have to be ashamed of your left arm? You know, right. That's part of you. Yeah. It's beautiful. I like that. Why, why would you be ashamed of your nature? What's uh, been yeah, put on you. And everybody has some gift or nature, right? And it got me thinking about the angels, too, because as you get further in your book, and I encourage people to read it if they're interested in this, and have any, I would say, even a mysterious feeling that maybe something like that's happening in their life, I would encourage them to read the book. Because you get to that point where you, I feel like your book, you, you do talk a lot about the mystery of it. But then it starts to get real particular and becoming very normalized to a large degree, which is a good thing. And uh, 
I thought it was interesting when you get into the meditations, how you get particular. Now we're talking about specific angels with specific missions and specific gifts, which leads right into us as human beings. We have specific gifts and, and, mm. and personalities and individuality. You're encouraging us to shine in that way. And I, it sounds like the angels are beings like that too. And they're encouraging us to shine in that way. I think that that's one of the most curious things that I learned about angels as, as in like, we're, you know, they're not just these beings off in heaven, some far away. They're right here right now. And besides being sweet and nice and answering our prayers, I also feel that the energy that they bring to us is one of activation is one of, of like activating our hearts. It, they help detox us from lies and from the heaviness that we carry around. I mean, my life was horrific for the first 35 years and, uh, and the fact that I could have such a deep healing uh, and lift off so much of the crap and then feel love for the first time, you know, feeling a divine love and presence for the first time, that's, it's just game changing. And it almost, it doesn't matter what people say. That's why it's like so important to stand with what you know, because like you're saying, like, I'm talking about love. That's what I'm freaking talking about. Yeah. Call, call, call me Jezebel. Yeah. <laughs> but I am called, you know, um, and so, so for, here's the thing that I've seen, cause I've been kind of out of the closet for a while, fully out of the closet is that people in, uh, I have a lot of people that work with me from communities, like the one you're describing that are still really kind of, um, kind of locked into the old way, the old ways of thinking or feeling. And, uh, you know, it's, they have a big job ahead of them, you know, because they're getting, they're, they're getting woke and they don't know like what to say and what to do. And so I think that's, what's so beautiful that it's happening at a time where we're, we have online yeah. and that you can find those leaves in every continent, those leaves that are waking up. Yeah. We ha we have community now and people like us used to have to be really alone, but we yeah. don't have to be alone anymore. Yeah, I know it's true. I mean, if I used for a long time, especially when I was younger, it's long before I had a family um, and it sort of was a little more of a leaf on the wind. It was easier to let coincidences sort of arise and take you and synchronicity take you to new people and occurrences. And uh, as an older person now, looking back at that young person, I, I, I am looking at that in a whole new way now. It's, I guess, a little more matured. And I can actually see it and not be – I'm almost not as fascinated by it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But now when it's – an occurrence happens, I go, oh, this is something um, – I keep it private most of the time except for my family. But it's not as exciting. Does that make any sense? I don't know. It's like, oh, this is happening. It's more like an acceptance if that makes any sense. Even though it's <laughs> totally. Not, yeah. I go, okay, this is happening. I need to – I need to go ahead and go with this and just see where it goes. Not for me, but just for whatever the purpose is. Most of the time, it's something I have even no clue who the person is or what's happening. I don't even know what's going on. I just go with it. And it does lead to some a healing of sorts, usually for another person. That was kind of what I thought was interesting about your story, because I, I, I was kind of meditating on what, what you have in the book and outlining your life before your, before the miracle and talking about you know working with youth traumatized youth basically in LA in the ghettos and stuff and I was like wow so she really was already serving others that was already a part of who you are even though you were in this great time of distress and fracture you still had this inclination that you wanted to serve and heal others right 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's always been in there. It's just, uh, um, I didn't know how to also take care of myself at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting when that component was there. And then you, I like the word you use, you were activated and then it was like, okay, you've it was sort of like training to some degree. It's like, you've already been through this. Now you know what pain and darkness and suffering feels like, and mm-hmm. you've seen it in other people. So now you're activated and you're going to get these new gifts and now you can go forth and really do something about yeah. it. Like really, really do something about it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's optional, but I think like, you know, so many of us, including you, you know, you're, you right now are probably standing at a crossroads where you can really, you know, step up and serve in a whole different way just by speaking your truth. And we can always run. So I, I know, you know, at any given point when I was being called to change what I was doing, whether it's let go of my traditional psychotherapy practice in exchange for talking to international communities and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, all of that was terrorizing and many, many people turn away from their calling and then yeah. the suffering gets even worse. Then you suffer more because we're here. Those of us who are, are here to serve at a deep level, your heart's not going to go away. It's going to keep fight. You're going to suffer until you like, you know, take it up a notch, <laughs> essentially. And I'm happy. I know it. I'm I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well, it's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to the B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash news. That's patreon.com slash news. Now, back to the episode. You know, I, um, if we could talk about this for a little bit, I, I, it's, I will, I will say I didn't get through all of the meditations. I hadn't had a time yet to get through each one. And the reason being is because I stopped on one and I was like, okay, this particular angel gets into territory that I can relate to because of my, my experience. And so it was Metatron. And in your book, you, you get, you know, you're going through each one and talking about their characteristics. But with Metatron, I thought was interesting is there is the idea that Metatron was a human being prior mm-hmm. to being an angel. And so I said, okay, this is something that I, 
I'm going to digress off into probably the weeds here, but I hear a lot of people say things like, like if you lose a child, they say, oh, well, now they're an angel in heaven. Or mm-hmm. you lose your grandmother and you say, well, my, my grandmother's an angel in heaven. And so culturally, as Americans and in the West, we're so used to hearing that type of thing that we never really stop and think about what we're saying when we say that. You know, to to a common Westerner who says, yeah, my my sister passed away and now she's an angel in heaven. We just think, oh, well, when you go to heaven, you turn to an angel, you get wings and a halo and all this stuff. And it just we, we kind of skip on by that. But if you really stop and meditate on that for a minute, it gets really complex and you go, OK, I got some questions here. <laughs> if, if you've got these original beings that are angels, but then there's also potentially angels that were humans right like metatron and so that that metatron has just stopped there because i wanted to talk about that with you since you are working in this territory and communicating this way what are you what are some of your reflections on this idea that there's the potential that a human soul who's walked on the earth when they've i'm assuming passed have become a more angelic being like metatron oh boy that is so interesting you know, what's interesting is that they're wanting me to answer this in a different way for you okay. and for people listening. And so they're saying the question is not, what if they turn into angels after life? What if angels came into this life, into this body? Interesting. Okay. And so they're saying the reverse and they want you to really consider that as well. Mm. What if you or an aspect of your light was an angel and that you came here for I'll, I'll be honest. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest and open. I'm, I'm kind of dancing around something in my experience. I, my experience was with a, with a, with a deceased person that, that came to me in a real bad time. But when that person came and I knew it was this person, I didn't know this person, but I knew at that moment it was this person. But I, for years I couldn't get over that all I could, I, I would draw pictures of this person. I mean, I was like, this person is like an angel. Like, I don't know how to explain this. And I would even tell people, I was like, no, it's like an angel. She is like an angel, like definitely feminine, definitely her. But at the same time, like there's something else going on here. What was strange years later when I met this person's parents, her father had wrote a book that he wrote when she had passed away and he gave me a copy. It was never published, but in the pages, he there's this whole scene in the book where this character ends up dying and, and meeting her like in, I'm going to say heaven, but it was more like a celestial space. And she was in the form of an angel, but she was a human being. So people would be comfortable, but she really was an angel. It was a real, I don't know how to explain it, but it, trip I, out. Yeah. So you saying yeah. that actually kind of, yeah, I get what that means because it, it's not about it's not for me necessarily. It's about her because I've had this question for over almost 25 years. Like, how can a being be angelic? Because we say that, but, you know, you know what I mean? I'm not the frou-frou, yeah. fluffy greeting card way. I mean, I really meant it like, oh, no, she's not just like angelic. She really is like an angel. And even still when my father passed away. You know, this is. I remember sitting there looking in his eyes. He couldn't speak, but I could see this desperation and fear because he was afraid. I know he was afraid to die. I mean, he was dying. And I, I was 
didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to help him. And all I could think about, I call her my friend in the flowers. It's like, all I can think of right now is to ask my friend in the flowers to let him know that it, that when he wakes up, whatever that looks like after this life is ended, that it's going to be okay. And she's going to be there to help him, whatever the transition is. And so I just, I leaned over in his ear and I closed my eyes and I could see her and she looked like this bright, it was her, but it was like a bright being. It wasn't just like a person. And I was like, God, she's there. She's here right now. I could feel her in the room, letting me know that dad's transition was going to be peaceful, even though he's dying and this is scary. It's not going to be terrifying. So I told him in his ear, I was like, you don't have to be afraid because I have a friend that is there. She's telling me right now she's there, but I've never been able to fully understand what she is, honestly, even to this day. And hearing you say that, and you say that angels are telling you that that is, they wouldn't even let me answer your question. They're like, you're going to answer a different question. Yeah. Because I was beating around the bush, to be honest with you. Metatron got me on the idea and it made me just stop. That's why it's, that is where I actually stopped on your meditations because of that. It got me into that, feeling you know i was like okay so this is a question i have is this the way this is and so yeah that answers that so so is that what they're telling you that you know angels do come in as as people in earth yes yes i i i believe that's definitely the message for you today and uh and for so many of us and i think that um it's really based on that it's important to consider this is why I, I also feel it was not just for her, but for you, who are you? And, and sometimes when you have these latent gifts, like the gift of vision, which you have, I feel like you also have pro- prophetic. You can be very prophetic. You can see, see things. Um, the question is like, who, who are we all? Yeah. Right? Who right. are we really? <laughs> like the leaves on your tree. I mean, we, we come yeah. and we, we float down and, and there's a, a, you know, I have a good friend, another person who's been on the podcast, and he calls it, he says, what's your sound? You know, he's a musician, but he tries to teach youth to find their sound because everybody's got a sound. And I love it when he says that because it's like, it just makes me think of a vibration, like a particular tone in each person. Mm-hmm. And some people's just sync up and like they hum together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I encourage people to go down this trail. I mean, I know people, I guess getting into the human, the potential of a human being, being an, an angelic being here, flesh and bone with us. It's I'm always fascinated by the fact that we've said things like this, or maybe we've been told stories like this, and it makes for great TV and fantasy and all this stuff. But I think people really do have this sense that that's possible. They see it sometimes in their children even, I feel like. People go, there's something else going on with this child. Oh, for sure, you know? yeah. And it's really, again, I believe that what we're talking about transcends all religion. It's all People of all religions are experiencing the truth of this. You know, Mus- Muslim and, and Hindus and Christians and Buddhists, there are special, you know, people. Um, and you can see them as anointed or whatever, but they have some special gifts going on. Uh, some religions will try and squeeze it out of them in a way, like fear them out of it. Like, don't, we don't want you to see, you know, that's just evil. Um, mm-hmm. And other religions really embrace uh, 
that a gifted human is in their presence and to allow that gift to grow. So, you know, in your case, how would it, how would your, your life have changed if you were dropped in a society back when you were, you know, a teenager and it was happening, who would you be today if you were allowed to own and claim that full throttle? Yeah, no, it's true. I I have this little experiment that I I tell me, my wife talk about this. She, she, I was, she was somebody I felt safe with when I first met her. So I, I shared this little exercise and I called it consulting the Orans. <laughs> and I would say, you know, I like to go to the beach or go find like some, some lake area or somewhere where there's like moving water or wind. That's always been very good for me. And I, so basically I would just allow myself to imagine there were all these, this sort of variables that each one of us made little minute choices differently. And so if I, if there was something that, I uh, wanted to do, but didn't do. And I knew that I probably wasn't going to do it at this point in my life. I thought it was fun to sit and imagine where on my timeline did that divergence happen? And what if, and just, I didn't make that choice and let that being play out in that direction is a great imagination exercise. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. it would give you the sense of fulfillment, even though you hadn't fully really lived that life. But to some degree, in your mind, you had. And so it would give you like a sense of accomplishment. Oh, okay. I now understand where I would be and what would have happened. And you can learn things. I feel like from them, from the other, for me, it was the other orange. I could learn from them. Like, and go, yeah, I see what he did there. Well, I can adopt that trait now into my life and sort of absorb that back into my little, (laughs) is a weird little thing, you know, but it's it's a lot of fun, you know? That is so, it's so funny you're mentioning that because I just did an exercise. I, I have this uh, community, it's called the Inner Sanctum and and it's, a, you know, a, a membership community. Okay. And so every week I send out a new channeling and a new healing to them. And uh, two weeks ago it was a future self, which is not nearly as cool as your parallel self. <laughs> and and it was, it was connecting with your future self as an ally. I use that word a lot as uh, well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I yeah. like that. That's good. <laughs> Nice connection. I love the parallel universe self. I'm going to have to have some chit chats. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you can sit on a beach and just or sit on a wharf somewhere and just have a, you know, have a little conversation. Even sometimes ones that are going through things that are bad, I have found like and go, oh, that didn't lead anywhere good. I kind of dodged a bullet there. You know, it's it's just a it's it's a thought experiment to a large degree, but. There's definitely an energy or something you can draw from it for sure into your life, I find. I mean, of course, you know, it, finding the right time and getting in the right space to do those types of exercises is uh, is always the real challenge, I think. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I know I should, but did I and will I, you know, I mean, that's always the uh, <laughs> That's always I know, the I know. That's such a huge challenge. I think that's why I started doing these like daily, uh, like the 21 day experiment kind of thing. Cause, yeah. cause we need, we need a reason to like, okay, now I'm going to do my practice every day. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, everybody kind of flops around a little bit in the beginning. One point you made in your book that I, I thought was an interesting topic was the difference between prayer and invocation. And if you could talk about that a little bit, I think it, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So, um, so I didn't really understand the difference until I was doing this work for a while and, um, you know, prayer, we all grew up with prayer. We know what that is. Hey, Hey God, or Hey Jesus, or Hey, you know, spirit, um, come help me, come help, come help me with this. Thank you. You know? Yeah. And, uh, 
And it, it's you calling on a higher power to come and intercede on your, your behalf, where invocation, if you look at it on the surface, looks very similar. You're still calling in a higher power, but you're, um, the energy shifts around it. As, okay. So an invocation, you were trying to not just, hey, you out there, come help me over here. You're actually inviting uh, um, these powerful forces of love to, to come in and activate you, to open up your heart, to detox you from this. And so you, you actually acknowledge yourself as a magical part of the equation when you're wow. doing an invocation, which most people don't realize that they're, it's so important for for you to be the witness to the shift inside mm. of you and an invocation done well, you will feel a change of energy around you. And, uh, I went to one year of Catholic school in second grade and right away I told my mom like, okay, we're doing all these prayers things, but there's like nothing behind it. It's just like, you're just going through the rosary and there's no feeling. No form, and even, just a formulaic. Yeah. Even at, even at that age, I was like, what? I mean, what? I don't even see the point. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no power behind it. And so an invocation, comes with like, um, just an energy of, of, I would say a deeper celebration, um, a deeper celebration and a deeper awareness of just your heart and, and how to get it open and how to activate it. You really touched on something there. I like what you said about being a witness. I've had several, and, and you definitely said it with more eloquence than I could have ever said it, but I've tried to almost explain that to others as well. I said, you know, there's a place where you step into the role of observer, even though you're present and you are involved in the activity, but it's, but especially when it's something that's sacred or holy, or if you're standing in a holy space, even stepping out of yourself just a little bit, it's like, I almost call it like stepping off to the left and back just a little mm. bit. You get to see the, you get to see a little more omnidirectional view mm. of whatever's going on. And it's like, oh, if you're if you're doing if you're having prayer at sunrise, you know, or something in in a formulaic sense, it seems like, oh, I'm present. I'm here. I'm just here and I'm praying and I'm just saying the words and that's it. And we're just doing it because and I'm just doing it because I know it's the right thing to do intellectually versus stepping back into the left where it's the whole thing. It's the hawk crying in the, in, on the power line. It's the buzz of the crickets and it's coming with all this, this stuff's coming at you from the front and the back and you're able to see it, even though you're still there. Is that kind of, again, I get off. I don't know how to explain that stuff, but. Oh, you explained it so well. No, you did. You did great. Yes. I love how you're describing it too, because I think, you know, I think with, with these concepts, sometimes we all kind of, all of our words are going to come short or fall short on some level. Yeah. But I, I love what you're saying. It's like taking a step, you know, to the back a little bit and opening up your senses, all of them. And something else I want to say about what you're what you just described is very important, which is it's all of it. It's like the world literally comes to life yeah. when you are in deep reverence, when you are um, becoming witness to the incredible tapestry of support that we have and, and really the unifying consciousness that's there. Um, but I, I, <laughs> it is the hawk is what I'm saying. It's like all of it. It's the breeze kissing your cheek. And yeah. I mean, it's like everything. And the angels um, are a part of that too, right? I mean, that's the other thing is like, I almost, 
sometimes I think as humans, maybe we feel like we're just victims, you know, like we're just, we've fallen into this life and we just got to suffer through it and survive through it. I've done that. I mean, I've been in that state for many years and been like, well, I'm just going to trudge on, you know, because I'm just here like everybody else. And, but when you start to add angels to the equation, you go, oh, well, they're in this, they're in reality too. You know, it's not like we're just in, we're, it's not separate almost. I've always had that sense, or I say always. I mean, at some point there was this sense that, in fact, I even often will tell my wife, I said, I don't use the word natural and supernatural separately anymore. It's all supernatural. Everything's supernatural, right? I mean, the birth of a of a baby is supernatural. It's all it's all here. It's all happening. So we've got this division of this is clinical and natural. And then that stuff out there is sort of metaphysical and supernatural, but really isn't it all just the same. And the angels are a part of that whole mix of that. Yeah. The breeze, the sound of the hog. They're there too, vibrating with those things as well. They're a part of that. Yeah. They're part of the, yeah. They're part of the great symphony. You know, they're, they're a, a note, in the symphony of creation yeah. and a beautiful note, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, there's, um, I forget if it was Peter, I'm, I'm going into the Bible right now. I was guided to a passage in the Bible. Someone had asked me, um, right before I was going to do a class, what angels really do for us. And so I was, I don't know how I did a Google search on something. I was guided to do a Google search on the Bible and angels. And so I, came up and I forget exactly which one, but it was either Paul or Peter. And I don't know the name of the verse, but it's when, when the apostle was about to go uh, to trial for, uh, I think it was King Herod. And it was like the night, the night before he was going. And so he's like in the prison cell and you know, you're saying people are victims, right? A lot of times we feel victims. He's in the freaking prison cell and like, Oh, well, you know, this is, this is my lot. Here I am tomorrow. So he gets woken up by a bright light. It was an angel. And the angel says, get up. And he did. And yeah. then the angel says, put on your robe. Okay, he did. And then put on your shoes. All right, he did. And there's guards everywhere inside the cell, outside the cell, outside. And he instructed he instructed Peter. Yeah. I think it was Peter. It was Peter. To, I know this story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he instructed him. And so Peter could have been like, are you crazy? Because there's guards everywhere. He could have stayed in his freaking prison, but he listened to that voice and he believed beyond possibility that he could walk through those gates. And that's exactly what happened. He got out. And so I was, when I read that passage, I was like, that's what angels do for us. They open up the door. They give some pretty awesome advice, but it's still up to us whether or not we're going to stay in the prison or we're going to start taking those actions that will lead us into a better, more free life. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. That's a good story for that, actually. I mean, are we going to listen? Are we going to listen or are we going to act on it? Because, yeah, I've, I'm guilty 100%. I mean, to this very day, guilty of going, okay, I, I've always, I've, the way I've described it, to several other folks is like there's this sort of thin membrane that I can see through and I want to just punch my finger through it and just get out of this old skin that I'm wearing, but I don't have the courage to fully go through that skin. I mean, I'm like, I step out and then I step back in because I'm afraid. I mean, I think a lot of people probably go through that type of stuff. I don't, maybe not, I don't know, but I mean, 
It's like, am I going to listen or am I going to just stay in my cell? You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that's so funny. You call it a membrane because I often call it the invisible body condom. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) Preventing us from fertilizing the world the way we want to. Well, that's a good way to describe that. No, I mean, actually, that's a really good visualization. It's like something wants to burst, something wants to come out and something wants to be born. And just like you said, like go out and fertilize the world and activate and awaken your brothers and sisters too. And it's like a desire. It almost is like a compulsion, but yet there's this, this membrane, this condom, this, this thing stopping that. Yeah. And we can just take that off, but we don't, I mean, I don't always do that. I, I mean, Peter in the cell, that's a great story. I never really framed that story that way. Honestly, I like that. Yeah, I mean, no, that I mean, I'm not a biblical scholar. Trust me. The only times I will go to the Bible is when I'm guided to, and it's always some kind of angel story. And they really shared that with me about about our our consciousness and and how they can't they don't rescue us. We have to fundamentally rescue ourselves. God's not going to rescue you. No one's rescuing you. Yeah. But but they're giving us really solid guidance and opening opening up the field of miracles. But we're the ones that have to walk through it. Right. And that's the hard part because it's so scary. There's a choice that has to be made. It is scary. There's gargoyles and and dragons in the way. And we have to become the hero and and slay the dragon maybe. But mostly we're going to get killed and we know it and they're all going to hate me. Yeah. No, I I get it. I mean, I I hate that fear – I don't even like admitting that. I mean, I want to believe that I'm fearless and that I am going to do the right thing whenever it comes time to, you know, I mean, I want to believe those things about myself, but ultimately if I'm being honest, it's only just part of the time. I mean, it's like a part-time job, you know, it's like, well, I will when I can, uh, or when I'm not afraid. And that's not the right way to live my life or for anybody to, I mean, right. I mean, that's yeah. a terrible thing to just hang on to let fear, be such a factor or or fear of retribution of others or whatever it may be, whatever fear is holding somebody back, you know? Yeah. I, and there's, there's, uh, you know, there's so many different, so many different ways the, in a sense, the devil can play tricks on us yeah. with all of, all of these little fears. Right. And I, I, uh, I have a quote where it, where it says, you know, the devil doesn't come to you with a pointy beard and a and a mustache and a trident. The de- devil the devil comes to you in the fears that stand between you and your biggest dreams. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, ultimately, like you, I mean, and a lot of people, there's a desire to help others, and despicable things don't want that. Doesn't want you to connect with people and tell them that there's a way for them to be healthy, happy, and whole. You know, and for them to help others too, and for their light to shine, and for the, you know, there's it it creates fear and like an aversion to well being, which is the strangest thing. But I mean, it's very clear, even in our society, you can see that toxicity. Like, wow, there. Even it, it, amazing how things can get warped. Even um, health and well being can become warped into a new type of addiction. Even that can be sort of bastardized, you know, and go, oh, now this thing that was a path is now a path to another type of corruption. And I'm like, man, that's the treacherous, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. how do you navigate this and not yeah. land in just another viper pit? I know. And and that's exactly why I feel like it's up to each of us to become sovereign, to begin to hear the voice inside. Because when you really hear that voice, you're not as afraid of, 
of where everybody else is kind of going left and right and all sure. the all the things there are to be afraid of right now on the planet. Yeah. It's like you you've, you get your little center of peace, but but yeah, I, I feel like you know every time I'm stepping into a new thing for me, and I've done a lot now, and none of this none none of this that I'm doing was do I feel I was in a sense designed for. I can be very introverted. I do not I did not like talking in front of groups of people or thousands or hundreds or anything. And, uh, so I think what happens is you just learn to experience your fear, experience your terror, your terror, and you do it anyways. Yeah. You just do it. I, I'm, I'm still not fearless. You know, I still have tons of terror, but I just do it anyways now, but it took practice. Yeah. No, I get you. I, I do. I understand what you're saying. And it gets an encouragement. I hope that other people listening are getting an encouragement from that too. Because that's what I'm getting from you today. It's a it's a total yeah. encouragement to lean, lean in alignment with those things instead of pushing against the wind constantly. You know, yeah. and saying no, no, no. I, I need to just hang on and fit right in with everything else. And you know, hang on, go with go with the the secular flow here. You know, I know, <laughs> I know. But you know, it's when you're like I said, it's like trying to cut off your arm or trying to be ashamed of your arm. It's like, well, at a certain point, it's just not going to work out. Yeah. It's like you, you step up and, and, um, and something else that spirit showed me and gave me in it. Cause I, I teach people how to kind of come out of the spiritual closet now accidentally, like people are coming to me like, okay, yeah. what do I do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the, <laughs> and the thing is, is that we have to remember like when you have a heart centered mission and it's calling you, that's not your dream. That's the dream of a higher power, but it's also the dreams of the people you are meant to serve. Interesting. And oh, it's so, beautiful. Right? So it's if you huh. can take so that gives me strength to move past my terror. And so so like Martin Luther had a Martin Luther King had a dream. His dream impacted hun, like millions of other lives. Yeah. One dream. That was his dream. And so your dream how many lives is it going to impact if you actually step into it? Anybody who's listening, you have this weird, weird dream. I had this weird dream. And so for me, I had this weird dream. I'm going to, I guess I'm just going to talk about angels. I'm going to teach people how to connect to the angels. I hope it works. Thousands of lives have been touched because of that one dream. And I thought it was mine. And I know now it's for sure not mine. None of this is my dream. What an incredible high note that, that I never really sat and considered that before. It's so easy to fall into yourself, you know what I mean? Like, well, am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? And, and, it, and even though you might think, or I might think, it's it's about altruism and helping others, ultimately, you still, it's about you. But the way you just phrase that is that you're having a compulsion or a dream, something's pulling you forward, and you're compelled to do this thing. That's not just about you. That's because it's you're there to fulfill other people already having dreams too. They need something. That that's beautiful, and it really is an, another encouragement to to go further, to go further. You know, <laughs> past the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. And it takes a lot of the. I don't know. It just takes a lot of the. Uh, when we're being shy and held up in the closet, and and you know, we're really being essentially selfish. Yeah, I understand and some, that. And sometimes it feels like you're being full of yourself because you might have to invest extra money or you might have to take money out of the mouths of your children in order to invest in this new dream over here. So in the beginning for me, it felt selfish. Sure, sure. I can see that. You probably were going, oh my God, what am I doing? 
Yeah. I mean, come on. I was a therapist already. I didn't have to change a damn thing. I would have been fine. Yeah. I wondered about that because I was like, man, I mean, on the one hand, we do live in, we had this conversation yesterday, some folks and I, and we were talking about how uh, writing books, you know, and how if you're a doctor and then you get it, let's say you were a traditional doctor, but then one day you go off on a, an expedition and you discover something in a foreign land and then you go, oh my gosh, you know, now I'm doing this. Now I'm, I'm redirecting my gifts as a healer this direction. Well, you can write a book. And and you can share that with others, but you all but you have those letters behind your name, and then people go, oh well, it must be valid, because see, he was this, but he got the degree, and now he's doing this, and it's all good. But what about the odd person out there that's going, yeah, but this is actually going, this could potentially wreck like what I'm doing, right? This could wreck my trajectory if I go out on this limb over here. You know, I don't have yeah. that that luxury like um, or, or a lot of people, they're going like I'm having an awakening and I need to share it. But I don't know what the vehicle for that is. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the apparatus is and why me? I'm just nobody and anybody or you know, people out there. Going, totally. I'm, I'm just, you know, a mom, a single mom doing working at a diner or I'm just a, a, a dad who's out there working at a factory, you know, and I mean, I'm and you have an awakening and you go, what do I do with this awakening? Oh yeah, I know it's it's right. It's a you, lot. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's so complex, but yet at the same time, uh, I think my big takeaway from listening to you is and reading your book it too. It, it all lines up. I mean, it's very authentic. You are authentically who wrote that book. That's what I love about talking to people <laughs> is that you go, wow, it all lines up. I mean, it's just an it's a big uh, push forward. I hope that I hope I know how I feel right now. I hope that people listening, I hope that's what they feel too. That push forward to just go right up if they're already on the edge or looking over the edge to just go ahead and take another step, you know. Yeah. Oh gosh, so important because we don't really know how supported we are until we dive off the cliff and get caught. And yeah. I'm happy. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. 
But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. That's great. So, I don't know, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to this show yet. Um, but at the end, we do this thing called Fishing for Goodies. You know, the name of the show is Find the Good News. So the goal was always to just find people out in the world who are doing good works with their gifts and trying to share that with others. That was the general purpose. But uh, we, when I originally started the show, I had like 50 questions that I, I swore I was going to use to frame out these episodes and it never went that way we just would get into the conversation as i'm never asking these questions so we bought this fishbowl and we've been over the last year we've been putting questions in this fishbowl so what we do at the end of each show now is i draw three questions randomly from here and we just talk about them so i'm gonna draw normally in my studio when i'm at the table they just draw themselves but i'm gonna be your proxy today and i'll dig deep in here and see what we got. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, God, that's a good one too. I'm pulling them all out first. I normally get one time. Okay, these are great questions for you. That's great. I love this fishbowl. The angels are probably a part of this because these are all really good questions. Um, okay, so I'm just going to start with the first one I pulled. What's something you disagree with about the way you were raised? Mm, yeah, I was raised to be ashamed of myself. Really? To, to, to be ashamed of my body, to be ashamed of freedom. Um, yeah, my, my father was from Puerto Rico and okay. they were very, you know, just very like strict. I couldn't show, uh, I couldn't wear shorts my whole life and, really? and all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because a lot was wrong. I mean, we got knocked around a lot too, but for some reason that's the thing because I think you can recover from getting beaten, but you cannot, the whole shame thing is pervasive. Yeah. You know, yeah. like your body, your body's resilient, but it's really hard when, it, when things drop down into our psyche about mm. this fundamental shame. So, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. My wife and I were having a similar conversation. She has kind of come to some, not, not really necessarily about the way she was raised, but something in her childhood definitely put a seed like that. I won't get off and telling her business too far, but mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely was, it's a heavy player, you know, shame. And how yeah. it's it's very poisonous. It can just get corrosive in there and wreck so many things. So, so, so true. And I feel like, you know, spirit has helped me detox some of that shame. And I bet a lot of the reason why people are staying in the closet and not fully showing up in their life is it's really about shame. You know, yeah, I can see that. They'd Man, be that ashamed makes... of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, that's probably a factor for me. I mean, I'm. I, you said something earlier in our conversation about how shocking it is that you're doing what you're doing because, you know, you were not the kind of person that would go stand up and maybe not super socially out there, like in, mm -hmm. in groups and stuff. I very much the same way. And I thought that was odd. It's like, why in the world do I keep putting myself in situations where I have to be out front because I don't want to be out front. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it comes from a lot of that. There's a dose of shame in there. I don't know where it comes from. I've never sat and explored that or scratched it enough, but mm-hmm. it's in the mix. Yeah. So shame. Yeah. That I can see that. I can see that. And I bet that played into some of your work too, as a, uh, when you were helping teens. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, yeah. but it does come up a lot when I'm coaching people in their spiritual businesses and things like that. Like really? that's one of the, that's one of the first dragons you, your, your willingness to be visible and, uh, to, yeah, because even doing video, when I first started uh, working with international, I did only audio. I wouldn't even show my face. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you know? If you ever do become a listener of this show, you are going to flip out when you hear me because I talk about that all the time. Everyone knows that's why I don't do video. I, I don't even mm-hmm. like, I actually don't even like looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I turn my gaze when I know the, where mirrors are, I avert my gaze on purpose. I have some kind of weird. And, and, and I would love to say shame's not a part of it, but there's something going on. And I, my wife doesn't know what it is. We talk about this all the time. I said, I, I there's no pictures of me doing things with my family because I don't want to see it. Isn't that? We, it's a strange thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's deep. It sounds deep. You it know, is. and that's that seed was planted at some point. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. But you hearing you talk about that, I'm like, man, I, that's interesting to hear somebody else say that video because I can't do it. I'm like, yeah, I did a couple of them during the pandemic shutdown and uh, to make myself and man, I can't even go back and look at them. Yeah, I, wow. I, can, I posted them, but I can't watch them again. Well, I mean, this would just be like just a great practice. I just feel like that's so important for you, you know, to to really target and work through. Um, but you know, the seed is in there. It's probably not that hard to find. And yeah. We just pl- we just pluck it out. That's it. You just pluck it out and just get used to yourself. Yeah. Because it's so crazy to hear hear you say that. Because I just think you're so cute. You're oh so, my gosh. I mean, I, no, I, ser- I, seriously. <laughs> I think you're just so cute and so fun to watch. Seriously. I can't even, I can't even, like, I have my thing turned off so I can't see me. Cause if I saw, oh God. I couldn't even do, and that's, isn't that weird? I mean, it's a strange thing. I've, I've been, I brought it up in counseling and things in the past, but I finally have just gave up and just accepted it's a part of my nature, which is probably really unfortunate. But hearing you say that, I go, man, I don't really hear other people say it out loud. I think there may be more people who have that that don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. But you've, you've, yeah. you've worked through it though. I mean, you've. Well, like it's almost like with the terror thing, I just cope with the fact I don't necessarily like watching myself. I just cope with the fact there's always something next to me that's trying to tear me down. Mm. And, and it's not nearly as big as my compulsion to do good, to be present, to be connectable Ah. and connected. And so, but it's there, Uh, but I have worked through it. Yeah. And what's crazy is that by doing video and watching it's like my self-loathing has decreased so much. Yeah. It's decreased over the years. When I started forcing myself, it's like, I don't know, maybe I become, became just kind of numb to it, but, Mm. 
But now everything I do has video attached to it. Yeah, which I mean, because like, you have a robust YouTube channel. I mean, and actually, I would like to use that as a segue to encourage people to go there because, I mean, my son, my teenage son and I watched a bunch of your videos together. And he goes, oh, Dad, you're going to be talking to her? And I was like, yeah, he goes, oh, I'm vibing with this. He was like, this is my thing. I was like, I know. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, oh yeah. My God. We, we've got one of those families, you know, like <laughs> we were sitting outside yesterday and my son was up on the roof meditating and, you know, in the middle of the neighborhood. Now, where we live, that's not a common thing, you know? <laughs> and so he just gave, he's got a ladder, he climbs up on the roof and he was meditating. And I walked outside and I said, Man, I wonder if my neighbors are ever just like, Man, that family down the street, man, they got that kid, he's up on the roof. Twitter's <laughs> <laughs> thing again. Yeah, but no, you said a word just now that I'm like, Man, that's the word, self loathing. I, it's so, I hate to say it, but it's like such a, dark, ugly word, but I know that's what it is in me. And I, I laugh about it because I go, where does this come from? <laughs> why don't, no why don't I, why can't I just, just be okay yeah. with just not with, with this thing I'm with this vessel I'm in? Why do I have a problem seeing that? I don't get it. Yeah, no, Some, I mean, because uh, we're wired mostly unconsciously. Most of our, most of our behavior is completely unconscious. We just see the product of it. But like, you know, for you, it's, it's really, I mean, we're talking about, you know, Peter and the prison is just one of the prisons, Oh yeah, you know, just one of the prison cells in the prison. Well, and that's what and, your book's all about. I mean, again, I, I know I keep bringing it back to that, but that's the point of a book like yours is to help somebody like me or anybody listening who secretly is dealing with that stuff too, to go, Hey, you can work through these things with the help of celestial yeah, beings to. that that want to help you yeah whole, for right? sure for sure yeah we just i don't think people realize a lot of people don't realize how spirit is just it's not just about reading in the books and doing the right thing it, you know it's like alive and potent and capable of miracles and can heal us and and it's just you know it's actually making me a little misty little weepy, just, you know, thinking about what incredible medicine we were given to be in these bodies, yeah. to be here on this planet. There's so many beautiful people and, and beautiful beings to support us all. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, sometimes it's like when you settle into that sacred space, like you, you were talking about that earlier, the, the feel the wind on your cheeks, when you, you can stand out in the sun and li and feel the dirt under your feet and, the radiation on your skin and then a breeze, an invisible breeze on your skin. It's like, oh, I couldn't do this without this body. I wouldn't be able to experience these sensations without them, without mm. this, this thing that I'm a part, that's a part of me, you know? I know. Yeah. That's, that's a beautiful thing. God, that was a juicy question. Had lots of nectar in that one. <laughs> I like that. Um, okay. This is um, a little... It's interesting. I'm curious to hear your answer on this one. This one says, describe your worst fear. Oh, interesting. What's my worst fear? Oh, God. Definitely losing my children. Yeah, me too. I know. I mean, so, so easy. Yeah. yeah. Not much to so, say about that. It's just like, done. that's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know this is going to sound strange, but I've always kind of been almost drawn to people that have been through that kind of grief. Wow. And I actually think it has to do with my angelic friend that I mentioned earlier. I think because she was a young person who died <clears throat> tragically and her parents were grieving when I met them still and they, and they still are even all these years later, it's like that got attached to me. And mm -hmm. it seems like that's been just a part of my little walk is to encounter people who've been through that and to have some kind of solace Aww. in that mystery, you know, and in various forms, because that's 
painful. It's so, and I mean, honestly, there there's people that I just, I don't even know how to express it. It's like that you feel their loss. You know what I mean? Oh yes, yes. Wow. Yeah. Whoa, that's that's amazing. That that's kind of in a, in a way part of your. It makes for a lot of, your... of sadness, though. Like I've, mm-hmm. I, it's hard. When that's a part of whatever it is that gets unlocked, I guess it's like, I've read something one time, I'll just say it like this. I read something one time and it said, you know, the early desert fathers, you know, the early Christians that went out in the desert to practice that mysticism. Mm -hmm. They said in this thing I'd read and I don't know where I read it said you couldn't talk to them because they Mm -hmm. cried all the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading that and understanding it. Yeah, I was wow. like, I, I get it. I get what mm-hmm. that means. They have seen, they've seen something else, and it's joy and it's sorrow, and somehow it's all intermingled, and it's just tears, you know. And they're not; mm-hmm. it's not all horrible, but there's definitely like a, a a thread of sorrow that does connect us to some degree, and that loss, that pain of losing a child. Man, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 definitely one of my it's my go to fear. Well, let me ask you this on a lighter note. Then I, that's a that's a heavy answer. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna rephrase the question. What's something that you fear, and then you look at it and go, "Why am I afraid of this? This is ridiculous." Like something <laughs> odd, like you know, on a light. Well, we can just we can just parlay that answer off of my last uh, off off of my last uh, question. So. My nose. Oh, really? So, I was fixated on my nose. That's why I didn't. Really? <laughs> didn't, didn't, yeah. Yes. Isn't that interesting to hear? It's interesting to hear you say that because I, too, look at you and I go, how could she look in the mirror or anything or not want to see herself? I mean, I think that about my wife, too. I go, everybody, you know, everybody that has a unique beauty about them, I go, man. It is the particular little details. It's the shape of someone's nose or their eyes or their lips or whatever it is that makes them unique and beautiful. But yet that person looks at themselves and goes, oh, I don't like this one thing. And that's the very thing that like brings it all together for other people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That I real quick it reminds me about this little video I saw and it was like these um people taking surveys and they would sit some adults in the room and say what would you change about yourself? And you know, they'd be like, "Oh, I need to get rid of my belly or I you know, get a facelift or whatever." And then they bring children in. Yeah. And the children, I forget what what their ages were. What would you change about yourself? I would have a mermaid tail. <laughs> 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 I would have a I, I would sprout wings and fly. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Oh, if I could change anything. If I could change anything. <laughs> I would have the legs of a goat and the wings of an eagle. Exactly. Oh my God. That's so like, freaking funny. I love they, that. I mean, they are just like so for me, I was just like, okay, they just dropped the mic there. I, I have a lot to learn from these babies. <laughs> I actually <laughs> have got to adopt that for myself and like go if I could change one thing and then just like go crazy go nuts you know like oh definitely definitely the eyes of a falcon you know for sure you know like that's oh my gosh that's funny I've never thought that before that's so I good. know I was like my jaw dropped I was like oh my god genius oh <laughs> that's a great deal that's great. Oh, I'm going to remember that for sure. 
So this is your last question. And this one actually probably, I mean, I imagine this probably is something people can find out in the book, but it says, what chance encounter changed your life forever? Yeah, it's definitely the, the angels. Yeah. The, the, just, just the way they came into my life. It was so abrupt and I just didn't see it coming. And, uh, and the miracle that happened and then the sub- subsequent miracles. So it wasn't just the first miracle. It was all the miracles that happened after that, the change in my heart, mm. because before that I would wake up for probably a couple of decades wanting to die. Yeah. You said that in your book. Yeah. That yeah, was my yeah. first prayer. And then after the miracle, it was like, I wasn't even trying to be mentally healthy. I, it just, that voice went away. Yeah. Okay. That actually, I didn't want to, I didn't know if you want to talk about that, but that last question forced the hand, I guess, because that I connected with that because I also was going through that. And the way I described it was like, I felt like I should die. It's weird because I don't, I, I now when I talk about that with folks, I go, look, it wasn't like I thought, oh, I want to kill myself. Yeah. But yeah. I definitely felt like I was either living and dead or just felt like I was going to die. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just this weird, dark emptiness and pointlessness. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, exactly. Totally I mean, wayward, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what life's even about. I was like, oh, God. Yes, that's exactly it. I had zero purpose. And I like, what the, what the fuck is the point of this? Yeah. It's like, I don't even get it. And then you get up and then you go to freaking work and then yeah. you're like, what? And, you know, and because, you know, my early, you know, I just did a lot that it was hard to be mentally me for emotionally me for a long time. But, uh, wow. Yeah. It's like, why are we just, we're still in this freaking hamster wheel. What yep. to, you know, yeah. enough already. And I was so tired by the age of like, I think it was 18 where I really started just really committing to wanting to be off the planet as quickly as possible. Um, so, so yeah. yeah, I connect with that. I really do. I mean, I connected with it. You're saying it. And in your book, I was like that right there. I often wonder, I got really fascinated at that age after that experience with awakening stories because I was like, okay, who else, what other people have been through something like that? And that was actually what kind of got me interested in religion and spirituality because I started going, oh, these stories are in all these different cultures that are like this. I mean, even just the big one, like Buddhism. I mean, Siddhartha went through the same thing. It's like, I got everything in the world. I'm a prince. I'm good. I'm healthy. And then old age, sickness, death. It's like, oh, you know, then what the heck? What's going on? I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but it was like sort of a crack in the in the veneer of things. Like everything just starts cracking apart. And it's like, okay, why am I? Why are we here? What's this all about? What is this all about? There you go. All of a sudden, I think it, it it looks like it's a common a common it's, part of the story. It's like that cocoon part, you know, you go, okay, it's got a crack open now so you can crawl out. And... Interesting. Uh, exactly. And, you know, I just, I just learned this little tidbit about transformation or about butterflies transforming, you know, they go in the cocoon, right? Yeah. And so everybody thinks they just go through their transformation, but that's not what happens. They eat them. They're, they eat themselves alive. Oh, I didn't the know juices, that. The juices in their belly, uh, acidically destroy everything about them. 
Really? And yeah, and I never so, thought to look into that. Like, what, well, when people what's think about, happening? but here's the thing: people think of transformation, and they think cute caterpillar, beautiful butterfly. They don't notice the most important part, which is you cannot become the butterfly without something freaking without being dismembered. Essentially, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, so I that just that old I stuff is sort of digested and regurgitated and. It, it seems like a mess, right? It doesn't sound very beautiful. It's not pretty is yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. So if we, you know, whoever's really, you know, listening and they're going through a really dark period, you have to hang on. Yeah. You have to ha- let nature take its course, but don't, don't assume a part of you may be dying, but it's not, it's not what you think. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. I, I'm on board with that. And I mean, it is ugly. I remember, I mean, I call it the day before I remember the day before and it was bad the day before that happened it was bad it was one of the worst days i had had you know it was just so so damn dark yeah i mean and ugly and i was really at that the end i was like i don't know what i'm i don't know what tomorrow is going to look like i don't even know make it through tonight yes absolutely that's when everything changed i mean i'm lucky because it's not that's another, I guess, part of that story is I look out at the world now and I see people who don't make it through that dark night. And that's kind of what I want. I would love to be a part of making, maybe helping somebody yes. just get over that dark hump. Because as you say, that, that that's, you're right there. You know, you're, you're right so there. Close. You're so close to, to things flipping over and becoming, you know, this new creature. Yeah, such a crazy new creature on the other side of that, you know. Yeah. So, um <laughs> Yeah, man. Good. This is a fun interview. Thanks for, for Oh, I for had fun too, up. man. I'm so excited. Whenever um, whenever they connected and they sent me the book, I said, oh, I was like, I'm going to read this right now. And so I started reading it and I said, yeah, I'm all in on this. I mean, they didn't even know, wow. you know, like, no, they never know. I tried to talk to any, I'll talk to anybody, but I was like, oh, this is like right in a zone, like for me particularly. And I never... My listeners have heard the, I would call the crust of this whole thing. They get to hear the crust, like the little pieces I throw in. And I'm, I think there's a picture that something happened, but I've never fully divulged. I mean, even still, we could probably keep going, I'm, as you could too. I mean, you get into the, the juicy nuggets of it. But yeah, I mean, it's like there's way, there's so much to go into with this type of subject. I do have one last question. And yeah. um, I'm going to have to get your address. I'm going to send you one of these. Everybody gets a... Find the good news mug. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, on the back is the last question. It says, Did anything good happen today? Oh, and- this yeah, this interview is what is I'm I'm not even joking. This is the most fun interview. The, I think the best interview I've ever done. And really? I like interview I've interviewed with like George Nori and wow. and <laughs> Some real, yeah. I, I just, I just love your energy. You're such a great interviewer and just so authentic. And and wow, what a gift you are. Well, I got to say the same thing for you. I mean, I, I, you know, the book I love, but you never know what the person is going to be like. Sometimes I've read books and then got to talk to the person, and I go, oh wow, that's so different than what maybe I got from the book. That has not been this experience at all. I'm like, well, this is a hundred percent. It's only just an enhancement, like further. That's why I would encourage people first to get the book, and I'm assuming I I got it on um, the Apple Bookstore, but I'm assuming. 
you can get it everywhere books are sold, right? I mean, in yeah, any format. you can get it at Barnes and Noble and uh, Amazon. Um, and if you buy it through my website, I think I still have a package left where you can, um, it takes you to Amazon, but then you put your receipt in and then you get a little angel bundle. So oh, you can, okay. I think that's, that's still up there. So they can look on my website. And what's too. your website address? It's Corinne Grillo, C-O-R-I-N-G-R-I-L-L-O.com. Okay. And then you have your YouTube channel, which I think is a wonderful resource. I mean, oh, I, so my son and I, like I said, I mean, we haven't watched everything. You have a lot of content, but we've we've sort of been picking and choosing. We were watching the uh, some of your videos about um, empathy and being an empath, you know, and you what did I write? There was something in there that uh, I, I, I never heard before. Well, maybe I'd heard it, but not in the way you put it. It was your protecting your energetic core. And I was like, I never really sat and thought of it that way. It's like, OK, it's just a, it's like a. I got a visual when you said that, you know, in your video, I, I really resonated with it. It's like, okay, yeah, that's something I think I can visualize. And because I'm bad about, I, we have shrimp boats down here on the coast. And I always say, it's kind of like, I feel like a shrimp boat sometimes. Cause they go out and they stick their little arms out in the nets and they're just in the water, pulling all this shrimp in and there's dolphins yes. get stuck in there and <laughs> a boot, totally. you know? And then I feel like that. I feel like I'm walking around most of the time with these, catching tires instead of shrimp you know and it's like i come home and i've got all this other stuff i didn't mean to bring home you know <laughs> whoops Whoopsie yeah. right. got a, t- a tire and a clock hanging off of you. yeah my yeah. dad did my best yeah so your videos have all this other content too i mean it all connects back to your angel work but i, I would encourage people to go check that out as well and just stay stay in your circle yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, this is yes. great. I, I appreciate your time. I'm more thankful every moment that I found you. Thanks for listening to my Beacon Series conversation with Corin Grillo. If you'd like to know more about Corin and her book, The Angel Experiment, a 21-day magical adventure to heal your life, make sure to visit the links in the show notes. If you found something of use in this conversation, consider helping me spread the good news by supporting Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. I thank you for pressing play and for syncing up with this good news signal.